right, Luke chapter 15. I'm going to pick it up in verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Our text reads, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That was a quick decision, Dad. <laughs> Verse 13. A few days later, this younger son, uh, he packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became as so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no, uh, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say this, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Listen to what he thinks about himself. Please take, on, please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, his father ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I love this part. But his father said to him, Servants, quickly, bring the finest robe in the house and put, on, put it on my son. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. And go kill the fatted calf. We must celebrate with a feast. Last verse, verse 24. For this son of mine who was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. <laughs> I'm glad we serve a God that likes to party. I said he likes to party. Church ought to be a party. It ought to be a celebration. When you've been redeemed and set free and delivered, you've got a reason to celebrate and magnify your King. Today I want to preach to you simply from a subject, stay in the house. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. Now bless it and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, I, I, the kingdom is, we've talked a lot about the kingdom the last few weeks. And How many is enjoying this, this series about the kingdom? Are you learning anything? Are you recognizing that we're not of this world, but... Uh, we are citizens of another world. We are citizens. If you are, if you are part of the kingdom, if Jesus is your Savior, if He is your Lord, and you've died to self, you are part of a kingdom that is greater than this world. I want you to understand: your, the, 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 this world's money cannot contain what God has in His kingdom. This world's uh, legalistic uh, motives and actions and thought process it cannot uh, compare to God's kingdom. 
We've talked a little bit about the purpose of the kingdom. We've talked about the power of prayer in kingdom. And uh, the, the second message or so that I talked about, one, I, I, today I saw, this, uh, I saw this yeast package sitting on my sink. I guess I had taken it out of my pocket and I didn't use it that Sunday. If you hadn't got to watch <clears throat> the purpose of the kingdom, we talked about how Jesus said the kingdom was like yeast. We talked about how uh, the kingdom takes over territory and how it expands and we, sh and we should, like yeast, should be overtaking uh, the enemy's camp and seeing souls saved, delivered, and set free. I'm sorry, I'm an old-time preacher. I still believe that salvation is for everyone who would believe and call upon the name of the Lord. That's just the way it is. And, but but I, I recognize something and, and the Holy Spirit just kind of quickened my spirit and I said, I'm going to share that with, the, with everybody today. You know, the kingdom... Yeast can't work unless you open the package. It, as long as you keep the kingdom on your shelf, as long as you keep the kingdom uh, to yourself, and, and, and maybe just in your heart, you don't share life, and you're not the light of the, of the world, as long as you keep it in a package, it might be good for you, but it ain't going to do nothing to impact anybody that you're around. How many believes that we as kingdom kids are to be impacting and changing the world? Come on. I know that's a little challenge. I know it's a little... Uh, different, but I, I need you to know something. I'm here to push you. I'm here to encourage you. Uh, the Bible says that the Word of God, uh, as a pastor, as a teacher of this gospel, I, I am to reprove, rebuke, and exhort you. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort you. Tell you truth no matter how much you get mad at me. It's important that we as sons and daughters recognize we're not here for us. We're here for Him. We are kingdom kids. And it's not about feeling good in a building. It's about seeing souls delivered and set free from a damnable hell. Because that's their eternity if they don't know Jesus. And it's interesting, Jesus in this parable, he tells three stories. And uh, in, in, in the first verses of chapter 15 of the book of Luke, you're going to see Jesus give some uh, stories about lost things. Uh, you'll see he starts... First of all, he's talking to tax collectors and he's talking to sinners. I like Jesus because he hangs out with the type of people I, I kind of like to hang out. I just like to hang out with real folk. I'm not caught up into religious people. If you're religious, I probably ain't going to hang out with you very much. If you think you're better than everybody else, I probably ain't going to spend my time with you because I'm more interested in people who just going to be real and say, hey, I messed up from the floor to the, to, the, to the sole of my feet. I got some issues. I got some problems. I got news for you. When we get real with God, he'll get real with us. When we stay transparent, it's not about looking apart. It's about walking and talking truly what we believe and living the life. Amen? Jesus starts talking to these sinners and these tax collectors. And uh, it starts making religious people mad. The religious folk, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're in the same atmosphere. And they start gossiping. And they start saying, who does this guy think he is hanging out with sinners? What is he doing? Don't he know that the Jewish folk is all that he's supposed to be ministering to? They're not good enough. Listen to me. I love the way Jesus explained it. So he starts talking about a lost sheep. And he deals with how when the lost sheep was on his own and strayed from the pack, there was 99 that the shepherd left. And when he found the one, he picked it up, carried it back, and the Bible says that he rejoiced with all of his friends. Then Jesus used another story 
And he continues to talk about, he says, there was a woman who had 10 coins. And, and these 10 coins, uh, uh, one of the 10 coins got lost. And she took a light and she lit up the whole house and she started sweeping things underneath the beds and in the corners and, 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 and every crevice until she found the one coin. And then she calls her friends and she says, let's rejoice for the one coin that I lost. It's been found. And it's interesting to talk about these lost things. Some people may think it, it was just something that, uh, you know, for Jesus just to, you know, just waste time. But what he was trying to teach was the value of lost things. Just because it's lost doesn't mean it's ever lost its value. The sheep that would be lost that was found, his value was still as valuable as the 99. But listen to me, I want you to understand something. The 99 is never complete with the one that's lost. See, we all benefit from one another. When you're missing, it impacts the kingdom. It impacts the church house. It impacts our ability to serve. You're missed when you're not where you're supposed to be. You have a place in the kingdom. And as long as you or me, if we put ourselves in a position to be separated and lost from the kingdom things that God has for us, we're not able to perform and, and be all that God's called us to be. It's important that you know lost things do matter. And I love this story in, 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 in verse 11, how Jesus continued talking about lost things. He starts talking about the lost son. And there's a couple, few characters here. There's a father, and there's actually two sons. One son, the youngest, decides that he's going to leave the house. I, I, I want to say this for my first point. I want you to understand something. Write this down if you're taking notes. The kingdom of God will always be about lost souls. The kingdom of God will always be about the lost. We need to recognize what our purpose is. It's not me, myself, and I. Church is not about us. I'm going to keep saying it until we get it. The lost, people who don't know Jesus, people who are not in the house, it does matter. The light of the gospel must be shined to, the, to this darkened world. The only way things change is when we point out truth and give direction through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we lead by example to our sons, our daughters, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones. It matters when people are lost. My prayer is that we would have a, a, a conviction in our heart for souls that need to know Jesus. The kingdom will always be about the loss. Jesus wants to show us that the value that he has in our life is to bring glory to his kingdom. Can you say this with me? Say, my life is to bring glory to the Father. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the, the Son of Man came to seek and to save, watch this, those who are lost. He didn't come to seek and save those that were found. He came to seek and save those who are lost. The reason I think many of us are so caught up, we can't focus on the loss is because we're so caught up in our issues. We're still trying to get over our addictions and our habits and our failures. Can I tell you something? Sooner or later, you've got to recognize you are a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You don't have to perform to be good enough. 
The enemy's lied to us to make us feel like we have no value and has almost even convinced some of us, though we're in the house, we're still lost from the house because of what we did. Let me tell you something. What Jesus did on the cross was, was way bigger than anything you could ever commit outside the house. You've got to accept you're a son by grace through faith. Somebody ought to give him praise right there. You are a son of the Most High God. Now, does that mean we don't have to pray and repent and and, and, and put ourselves in a position of humility? No. That should always be our posture as children of the king. But recognize just because you have trouble isn't a sign that you're not a son. It's a sign you are a son. The Bible says that he, he chastises those that he loves. Scripture says, though they that live godly shall suffer persecution. So next time somebody tells you, well, you got problems, that means you, you're not a son, or you got sin in your life. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes God's just trying to bring more glory out of your life, and he don't do the thing that you're facing or make you. He doesn't, he doesn't put the storm in your life, but sometimes he will allow things to happen to bring you to a place of humility so you can recognize with him you live, in him you breathe, and in him you have your being. We are nothing without Christ. And the kingdom will always be about the lost. Luke chapter 12 and 32 says it like this. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. Do you see that? Your father gives you everything that's in the kingdom as a son. Somebody say, I'm a son. Oh, come on, say it like you mean. Say, I'm a son. Yeah. You're not a servant. You're not a slave. You're a son. Today I'm going to change your mindset if I can. I want to shift you just a little bit. You're a son of the Most High God. Acts 2 and 21 says it like this, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, oh, I love this, shall be saved. Guess what? That's for the adulterer. That's for the addicted. That's for the uh, alcoholic. That's for the abuser. Come on. That's for that person that's totally turning their back on God and don't want nothing. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But preacher, you don't know what I did. I don't, but he does. And yet, in spite of the fact, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more. That's either a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Where sin abounds... Grace doth much more. Number two, write this down. The kingdom is more about the Father's presence, listen, than his possessions. The kingdom is more about the Father's presence than his possessions. The moment we decide to seek the blessing of the kingdom over the blesser of the kingdom, we are out of line. Psalms 97 and 5 says it like this, the mountain melts like wax at the presence of the Lord and at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. See, his presence is all that truly matters in our lives. And when you, when you remove the equation of his presence and you add all the agendas and all the programs and, 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 and all the different uh, uh, things that we could do to try to have church, Listen to me, that stuff don't matter if his presence don't show up. And Satan has been real good at trying to remove the presence of God out of citizens' kids' presence. He don't want you to be in the presence of the Lord. 
He don't want you to pray and read your word. He's always, even in the book of Genesis, his, his, his whole agenda in chapter 3 was to get Adam and Eve to question what God's word really said and what it really meant. You won't surely die. You remember when he was questioning, getting Eve to question, you know, hey, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to bother you. You can do whatever you want to do. No, 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 no. His presence is, is, is way more impre- important to us than any possession he could ever give us. This son was caught up in his possessions. He looked at his dad and he basically said, hey, dad, I don't need you anymore. You're dead to me. I'm not interested in, 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 in what you have for me in the house. I'm interested in living my life the way I want to live it. And his ma- mentality became selfish. It became, he became uh, selfish-driven. It would shock you to know how many people today are sitting in the church right beside you whose heart says, what's in it for me? If I'm going to serve God, if I'm going to be at church, what's in it for me? Rather than what's in me for him. When did church, when did, did, did the kingdom ever become about us? It's always been about him. It's always been. Jesus told his disciples, you've got to learn how to pray this. You've got to declare thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Such a beautiful prayer that we're trying to learn and we're trying to captivate. But listen, that prayer is a prayer of humility. It's a prayer of death to self and resurrection to the spirit. Until you live in Christ, you'll never be able to recognize what life is is really about. See, sonship is not based on your work ethic. It's not based on birthright. Excuse me, it's based on birthright. See, Jesus paid it all so that you could experience it all. I said he paid it all so that you could experience it all. He gave you the opportunity to be a son, to be a daughter, and recognize that you don't have to perform for his love. You can't receive righteousness unless you realize you're a sinner and you need a savior. See, Oral Roberts said it like this, God came to take off of you everything the devil put on you and put back on you everything the devil took off of you. (laughs) I think it's important you know that Satan, like this son who left the house, he, you know, it's kind of like, let me see if I can explain it like this. As sons, when this son left, his desire was to do it on his own. He thought he had things figured out. And I just, y'all know I'm real simple, right? Yeah, y'all know that. And I like to do illustrations. And this is kind of like our life. We, we like to fill ourselves up with ourselves. And we look real good on the outside. And we, we talk the talk, we walk, we, we say we walk the walk, we, we paint it up, we dress it up, we, you know, we, 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 we try to, we're real churchy. And, uh, well, how you doing, brother? God bless you. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. I, I, how you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. I, I bless the Lord. He's, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, and bless his holy name. And you're fighting like cats and dogs with your husband and with your wife. You know what we're really doing, just like that son? We're just working. Everything we can. We're doing everything we can to keep it all together, to stay up. We're, we're doing it on our own. You know, we got daddies. We walked out of the house, and we've decided we've got a better plan than him. We, we walked away from source. We've walked away from, from the father's house, and, and, and we look good. We, 
We got it going together. But then the storm comes and, 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 and things start falling apart and we got marriage problems, but we're still, we're trying to put it together. We got to keep putting on our face, our church face, and we got to keep talking churchy and looking churchy, even smelling churchy. Some of us got it down real good, but we want, and, and when the altar calls are given, we don't want nobody to know we're struggling. So we keep on, we, no, I'm fine. I ain't got no issues. When we're worshiping and people are crying and people are dancing and, 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 and they just making a, we think they're making a fool out of themselves. And what you don't know is they're facing some hell and they're looking for something bigger than themselves. Eventually, you got to get to the place where you stop trying to hold it all together and start depending on Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like when we leave the house. This is what it looks like. We're working, trying to be a son, trying to be a daughter, trying to keep it all together. But eventually, if we're not careful, when we're doing it on our own, we can wind up in the pig pen like this son. Because there came a famine. There came a storm. There came, there came a hard moment and a season. Eventually, there will come a hard moment. You will lose a loved one. Eventually, maybe you're going to walk through divorce. I don't pray that on anybody. I'm just saying some life hits everybody. The Bible says that the Lord reigns on the just and the unjust. What that means is that nobody, whether you're in the house or outside the house, everybody's got problems. Because we live in a fallen world. But this is what it looks like when Jesus is our source. When we've, got, when we've got kingdom and we're doing it Holy Spirit way, we simply give him our heart. And we, and we say, Lord, you feel me. You direct me. I want to be in your house. I want to be used by your kingdom. I want your presence to be glorified and magnified in my life. And all of a sudden, we get filled not of ourselves, but of him. And Holy Spirit starts leading us and guiding us and directing us. And before you know it, it kind of can look something like, you know, you still have problems. When you're walking in a kingdom, I'm not here to tell you you're not going to have any issues. I'm telling you as a son, you don't have to go sell yourself to a farmer and, and work in a pig pen thinking it's as good as it's going to get. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly you ain't got to work. You just start accepting what he who the Son has set free is free indeed. You start recognizing it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And your life stays up because of greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And sometimes you get knocked down, but when you got the Holy Spirit and the kingdom's living inside of you, you come right back up. They'll hit you. They'll talk about you. They, they point the fingers at you. That's a crazy, that's a crazy Christian. But you keep praying. You keep being loud. You're not ashamed of the gospel, which is in Christ Jesus. You are, you've studied to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed of the gospel, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yes, you've gone through trouble. Yes, you've gone through hell. You've got knocked down, but you keep coming back up because the kingdom of God is a mighty force in your life. Suddenly being a son doesn't have to be so much work. Why are you struggling so much? Why can't we as sons just start living in Christ and understand in the kingdom there's forgiveness, in the kingdom there's healing, in the kingdom there's peace and love and joy and gentleness and long-suffering. Come on, somebody. That's the fruit of the Spirit. If you're full of yourself, you're not going to stay up. You're going to go down. But when you're full of the Spirit, 
You've got the power to make it no matter what. I'm just going to leave this right here because I think some of you need to see yourself going up instead of always going down. I like that. Yeah, that's kingdom. Come on. Come on. Somebody said, but I, you don't know what I've done. Who cares? Repent. The son, he had it all. Then he lost it all because he was trying to perform on his own. But then he came to himself, the Bible says. He was sitting in the pig pen. He's ready to eat what the pigs are eating. <laughs> How many ever been on a pig farm? And you ain't got to stay in there long to know that you're in the wrong place. Number three. The father will never make a son stay in the house. Listen to me. The father will, he will not make you stay. You want to walk away? You want to get upset? You want to be offended? He's not going to make you stay. It's interesting to me, interesting to me when the son came to the dad and said, hey, in essence, I'm saying I want you dead because I want my inheritance right now. Uh, oh, oh, and by the way, I'm leaving the house and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. The dad didn't say, well, hey, let's talk about this, bud. I'm about, you want me to give you a third of what I've earned and what I've got? And, and I think we ought to talk about it. The father didn't even, in the same verse, he says, okay, you got it, bud. What this shows me is that if you want to walk away from the kingdom, God's not going to run you down. He's not, he, he's, he's not going to, let me say it like this, he's not going to make you do anything. Can I say it like that? He, he's not going to force you. He's not going to have the pastor send uh, out the, uh, those on staff go chase you down because you left the church. We think that's what's supposed to, but I left the church, didn't show up for six weeks, and the pastor didn't even call me. That's, whose fault is that? We leave the house and we think, well, daddy should have called me. If you don't know by now that you're the apple of his eye, and that he loves you more than anything. He gave his best. He gave his son to die on the cross for you, for your sins, even while you were a sinner. If you don't know by now, I'm just here to tell you, the Father will never make anyone serve him. I'm convinced that sometimes people come in the house and they, they want to pump me up. They want to feel good message. Tell me, tell me how much I'm loved. Tell me how much... This, tell me, tell me, tell me how, much, how much God wants me. And again, it becomes about us more than about him. You're not, listen to me, write this down, you ought to. You're not ready to live until you're willing to die. You have to die to self. And no matter what preacher's ever told you, it's about a better you, that's baloney. Paul said it like this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ who lives within me. This life is not about a better you. It's about a better him living through you. If any man be in Christ Jesus, all things are passed away. I need you to hear that. Behold, all things become new. See there? You just lost limits. There's no limits in the kingdom. You can go as high as you want to. Come on, somebody. You're an eagle. You're not a chicken. Stop pecking in the barnyard. Let's fly. Woo. <laughs> All right.
Holy Spirit, you know how to do it, don't you? Proverbs 23 and 26 says this, Oh, my son, give, my, give your heart, see, give me your heart. This is a father to a son. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. You know what the Lord wants us to learn how to do? Stop seeking everything else and start seeking him. Seeking his kingdom. What's one of our key verses in this series? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Watch. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And what, these, what this father is saying in Proverbs is, son, give me your heart and give me your eyes so that I can keep you seeking the right thing. We must stay submitted to the father. No one and no thing has the power to pull you out of this house. Listen, but you. And when I say the house, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. I need you to get it. The kingdom of God is his presence. It's his power. It's his authority. It's the fullness of God. And you can't have it without the Holy Spirit that dwells on this earth. It's time we stop playing games, stop playing blame games, and pointing the fingers of why we left the house and recognize we left. But also know that just because you're in the pig pen doesn't mean you can't come back home. I love this story because this son, the younger son, he did come back home. He did come back to the place of repentance. The Bible says that he rehearsed what he was going to say to his dad. He was like, you know what? There's servants in my dad's house that are eating better than me. I'm not worthy to, this is our mentality when we come back to the house. Sometimes we'll take on the mentality, well, I'm not worthy to be a son, but maybe he'll make me a servant. Maybe I'd at least have a place to lay my head. I'll at least have my belly full with some food. Listen, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God don't want you to just get by on a little. He don't want you to just barely make it. He wants to do exceedingly and abundant above all that you could ever ask or think. Maybe you're watching right now online. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, madam. God loves you just the way you are. He loves you. He's called you. He knows who you are. Even in your mother's womb, he's ordained you to be a son or a daughter. All you have to do is say yes to him and come back home. Nothing can pull you out of the Father's hand. He said, give me scripture. I'm glad you asked. The Bible said in John chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said it like this, for my Father has given them to me. He's talking about you and me. He said, he's given these children, these brothers to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. Watch this. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Listen to me. Do you know what that means? Come here, B. Come on. You look good this morning. Come on. Dance with me. Look. Stick your hand up. What are you doing? Stretch it. Hey. Hold it. Come on. Nothing 
can pull you out of the Father's hand. Not your drug addiction, not your bad habits, not your cussing, not your drinking, not your smoking. Listen to me. Not your jealousy, not your anger, not your unforgiveness, not your bitterness. Nothing can pull you out of the hand of God. So stop acting like he's, he's forsaking you. Come back to the house. Be thankful that he won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't turn his back on you. We forsake him. We leave the house. We stop loving. We stop caring. We don't care about what he, what he says at times. Can I get a witness? If anybody leaves, it's the only peace person that can pull you out of his hands. Listen. Is you. Come on, we got to get this. Because as sons and daughters, if we'll get it, guess what? If I know I'm a son, I can go find another son and say, come on, if Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you. <laughs> and then we can go to some of these children and we can say, hey, did you know Jesus loves you? Grab her hand. And, and we just start walking hand in hand. And what are we doing? We're building the kingdom. We're sharing the gospel. If I recognize who I am in Christ, we can go to this one. And we can say, come on, let's jo join with us. We're building the kingdom. And we just keep growing and expanding. Why? Because we're building the kingdom not about us, but about him. It expands when we do it for the kingdom. Come on, give him glory. Give him honor. And take the limits off of everything the enemy says you can't have. It's not about being good enough. It's about accepting what he's already done so that he can make you all he's called you to be. Which brings me to my last thought. Number four, the father is waiting for his sons to come back home. He's waiting for you, sir. He's waiting for you, ma'am. The Bible says when that young man came back home, he was walking down the road. Did you know the dad was outside? And the Bible says he saw what looked like the image. I don't know how long it had been since the dad had seen him, but I believe every day the dad was stood on the porch and was waiting for that son to come home. And I believe right now there are people in this house whether you'll, listen, you got, you got to see you as you. You got to recognize what you need personally. But this is not a place where you have to be scared or afraid or worried about what people think. When that father saw that son, the Bible says he ran to him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Before a confession came a kissing. I love it. He didn't wait for the son to repent. He just said, come here, let me give you a big hug. And he kissed him. He said, I don't need you to do anything. I've been here the whole time. The very fact that you have gotten up and came to my house has already put you back in a position to have a new robe. Because that's what the dad said. He said, bring me the best robe. Guess whose robe it was? Yeah, it was daddy's robe. Dad didn't get somebody else's robe. No, no, he got his robe. That robe represented righteousness. It represented a covering. He didn't clean him up. He didn't go make him take a bath. He said, put the robe on him right now. Bring me a new ring. 
that ring represented authority. It was like a credit card today. They would take the ring and they'd stick it in wax and when they needed to pay for something, that's how they would do it. And it said, paid for by the Father. It would go on the Father's account. And then he would say, bring me some new shoes. And those shoes represented, watch, dignity. It represented a future. Sla only slaves were barefooted. Some of you have been walking barefoot. And I've come to tell you it's time to put your shoes on. You've got a future. God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for your life. I want you to know the Father's waiting for you to come home. There's nothing that you've done that he'll ever reject you from coming home for. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.